Hello, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ, and we want to thank you for joining us, especially for this lesson as we continue our look at a family being built by the Lord. This is another one of the lessons from our 2005 Fall Focus on the Family. Mike Waters preached this one, From Home to Heaven, Raising Children Who Serve the Lord. We all know how important it is for our kids to grow up and serve God and go to heaven. Mike Waters takes a look from God's Word at how we can accomplish that in our home. So please, open your Bible, and let's learn how to raise children who will serve the Lord. Our lesson this evening on raising children who serve the Lord is, is very important to me. I guess it would be very important to all who are at least committed to being servants of the Lord because we want our children to grow up And not just be Christians, of course being a Christian involves being a servant, but we want more for them than just to obey the gospel. We want them to become true servants. We want them to be disciples. We want them to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, recognizing especially the important, the great need there is in the kingdom of God today for true servants. had an elder several weeks ago make a comment to me that his concern was that we, we seem to be baptizing some, but so many, in so many cases, there, there's not real conversion taking place. Uh, not true conversion to the Lord, not a real change of life, a real change of heart and a commitment to serving God. And maybe you see that here sometimes. People come to church and they're real faithful in their attendance, but in terms of this true servant's of the Lord, really giving of themselves, making sacrifice, demonstrating commitment. It's something that, that seems to be somewhat lacking in, in our time and in our generation, and there's a need for that. And those of us who are parents have to realize that one of these days, if we are serving the Lord faithfully, that we're going to pass from this life, and if we have not been aggressive in teaching our children the importance of service, then at least in terms of what they could have accomplished, there will be a void here in this place that that we leave behind. So I want us to think tonight about how we can raise our children to be servants of the Lord. How do we do that? I think really if you you stop and, and contemplate that question, what you will come to see is that the way that we raise our children to be servants is not really any different from what we would do in working with someone who recently obeyed the gospel and bringing that person along so that they will become a servant of the Lord. There's really not a lot of difference there. But I want to suggest to you that in terms of raising children who serve the Lord, it has to begin with the commitment to teach our children the Word of God. How many times have you heard that said? You've probably heard that preached. If you've been going to church any, any period of time, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a hundred times. And yet, how powerful it is, this idea or this concept of instilling within our children an understanding and a knowledge of the Word of God. I like the word saturate. I don't know if I heard someone say that several years ago. I, 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 I emphasize that a lot in my teaching. 
not only for children but for adults as well. We need to be able to take our children and we need to take God's Word and we need to put it in their minds so that it can be said of them figuratively that their minds are saturated with the Word of God. It's not just an occasional exposure to Scripture that we're speaking of this evening. It's not just memorizing some, some verses or learning some things that perhaps we learned when we were children and, and we were being raised. It's, it, it's, it's taking the Word of God and, and seeing it as a seed that is to be planted in their hearts and just get them to the point that, that they bleed, as someone once said, they bleed. They, they, they bleed the Bible. It's, it's just a, a, a part of who they are. There's, there's no distinction between what they think of in terms of this world and what they think of in terms of the Bible because the Bible dictates what their thinking is. Every time they look at the world, they see it through the eyes of God because their minds have been saturated by the Word of God. Whenever they're faced with a decision, that decision that they are faced with will be one that is, is, is based upon their understanding they will know the difference between right and wrong because we have taught them the difference between right and wrong. This has always been God's desire. Several weeks ago, I was reading through the Old Testament and I began to notice a consistent pattern, especially when we get into the book of Exodus, of how God, as... He was bringing the, the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. He wanted them to teach their children. He, he wanted them to instill within their minds a, a remembrance of what He had done for them. I, I want you to review some of these passages with me. I want you to see this for yourself. Let, let's begin in, in the book of Exodus in the 10th chapter. Notice in verse 1. God, in speaking here to Moses, said, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them. And that you may tell, look at it, in the hearing of your son and of your grandson, how I made a mockery of the Egyptians, and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. You see, God not only wanted to perform these, these miracles as a means of judging the nation of Egypt, but God wanted these wonderful acts of His, these, these manifestations of His power. He wanted those to serve as a means of teaching the children of future generations. In chapter 12 of the book of Exodus, in verse 26, and it will come about when your children will say to you, what does this right mean to you? That you shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice, speaking of the Passover, to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. Again, in the future, as they partook of that Passover supper, that was to serve 
as a means of teaching for the children of the Israelites. In the 13th chapter of the book of Exodus, in verse 14, it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to them, With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. There was to be conversation among the Israelites. There was to be communication in the families, in their households, about what God had done for them. And God wanted the parents to tell the children, this is what God did for us. In verse 15, it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. Again, teaching that we, we have a hard time getting our hands around. We have a hard time understanding, but, but, but for, for the Israelites, it was important from God's perspective that they know these things. And again, I have several other references here, but the point is, is very simple. God has always wanted His children to teach their children about what He has done for them. And again, let's ask ourselves the question, what is our motivation when we teach our children the Word of God? What is our motivation when we encourage them to study? Does it, does it go beyond simply wanting them to be prepared for Bible class? Does it go beyond wanting them simply to be able to answer the questions so as not to embarrass us? You think that sometimes, don't you, parents? That thought kind of goes through our minds. And I think maybe what that demonstrates is that we are forgetting what is of greatest importance. And that is, we want our children to be able to understand God's Word so that they can grow up and that they can be servants of God. Along these lines, we need to emphasize the Bible's teaching on this idea of service. In Matthew chapter 25, we have an excellent passage that is a very sobering scene of judgment. And it's one that, that I want to be able to help my children see in terms of, of its importance upon, upon their daily living. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before Him. And he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are a blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared before you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And, and when did we see you a stranger, and invite you in, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and, and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Let me ask you parents a question. Are you teaching by example? Not just by word, but by example. Are you teaching your children the importance of being servants? You see, Jesus is emphasizing here that, 
you're going to be judged on this basis. One of these days, you're going to stand before the king. And you're going to have to give an account of your life and, and what you did with your time here on this earth. And will that time have been spent in reaching out and meeting the needs of others? It's about more than just going to church. You see, if I want my children to go to heaven, if that's something that is of importance to me, then I will be teaching and modeling behavior for them so that when they someday experience this scene of judgment for themselves, as they will, then the Lord will say to them that I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Again, do we see that in our lives so that our children, as they grow up, will become true servants as well? In the book of Acts, in the ninth chapter, we have an example of one who died in the Lord. And we read of her in verse 36 of the book of Acts, the ninth chapter. There was a certain disciple named Tabitha. And it is written of her that this woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And then down in verse 39, Peter arose and went with them and When he had come, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all the tunics and the garments that Dorcas, this lady who had passed from this life, used to make while she was with them. Here was a lady whose life made a difference to other people. Here was someone who gave of her time to help others. She was a servant. Her life was about service. What is your life about? In the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, as Paul again wrote about the salvation that is ours through Christ and how he emphasized that we are saved by grace in verse 8, that not of yourselves, he continues, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. We understand that. But then in verse 10, Paul wrote that we are his workmanship, that is, God's, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means that they should characterize our lives. And we only have to study the Bible to find out what those good works are. We read about them earlier in Matthew chapter 25. And again, do our children see that in us? Qualifications of one who would be worthy of support from the church are found in the book of First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 10. And again, we see one who is given to service. Are we raising children who serve the Lord? We must show them from the Scriptures examples of those who did, who were servants. We must help them understand based upon what the Bible teaches what it means to be a servant. Secondly, if we're going to raise children who serve the Lord, we're going to have to create a home environment that is conducive to kingdom service. I believe that we should use our homes as 
tools of ministry. In the book of Acts, in the fifth chapter, we read about the life of the New Testament church, and it was said of them, it's recorded by the divinely inspired historian Luke, that every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Don't miss the point here. Their ministry, their service, wasn't limited to a church building. They used their homes to serve the Lord. In the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, we read of those disciples who were in the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark. And there were many who were gathered together there, and they were praying. You have group activities here, and that's good. It's good to see congregations that are meeting in the homes of the members. Because what that does is is that provides you, if you have small children or children of any age, that provides you with an opportunity to show them that you are using that blessing that God has given you as a tool of service or a tool of ministry. And it's not easy. It's not convenient. It doesn't always fit in with the schedule. It doesn't always fit in with life because we're very busy, aren't we? We we are in the process, I think I mentioned earlier, of of hiring a new preacher. And so Paul and I decided that we would invite all of the elders and the deacons over to our house with the preacher on Sunday afternoon. And it would give us an opportunity to get to know him better. We really didn't think about it, but... One of the deacons called and said, are, are you prepared to have 54 people into your home next Sunday afternoon? We really hadn't counted. I started thinking, well, maybe we should have just had the elders over. Because we've got about 13 deacons, and, and we've got a lot of kids. And, and there was a lot involved in that, and it was a, a, a burden on, on my wife to, to make preparations and, and to have all those people over. But you know what? Our kids love that kind of thing. We, we have the teenagers over once a month, and, and again, it's... It's, it's, it's a little bit of a sacrifice, and, 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 you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, I kind of dread this, here we, here we go again, somebody's going to spill something, or, you know, you never know who's going to show up at these things either. My wife understands that, and I can't tell you anything else about it, but anyway, we got one in our congregation who doesn't understand what teenager means. Of course, there's a lot of other things she doesn't understand either, but, uh, anyway. We need to be using our homes because of the impact that it has upon the lives of our children. They see people in our homes studying God's Word. Is that a good thing? They see children in our homes praying together. Is that a good thing? They see teenagers, teenagers who are interested in learning more about the Bible in our home. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. Use the home that God has given you as a tool of ministry. And again, I've got several passages of Scripture referenced here that simply show how that during the first century, numerous Christians, we find churches meeting in their homes. And I'm not sure if that means that they had a house church or or if they just had members of congregations that were coming into their homes. I think about the church at Jerusalem with 3,000 members. I I can't imagine them meeting in somebody's house. It had had to have been a big house. But I believe that we need to use these houses that God has given us, and we need to invite people. It's, it's a much better 
opportunity or environment to bring others in to share the gospel. And then we can bring them here to our public assemblies and they can gain greater exposure. And I tell you what you guys are doing with the fall focus and and all the the different activities that are kind of integrating in with all that is, is wonderful. So just continue to do what you're doing and continue to take advantage of that. I think one of the things I see in the church today that that is bothersome to me is is the lack of hospitality. You know, that's something that's emphasized in the Scriptures. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, Paul wrote that we are to be contributing to the needs of, of the saints and that we are to be practicing hospitality. You know, that, that goes beyond just once a year or twice a year. And, and hospitality, I, I've asked myself the question, what is hospitality? Well, it, it's simple. It means to be hospitable. And if, if that doesn't mean that we're using our homes to invite in members of the church or strangers to teach them the gospel, I really don't know what it means, if that's not what it means. And the qualifications of elders, they, they are to be hospitable. Why? I believe it's, it's because of the importance of, of that practice in, in growing local churches. In Hebrews, the, the 13th chapter, we find another statement that's made about this idea of, of hospitality. We are to be hospitable with, without complaint or, or without grumbling. Excuse me, Hebrews 13 and, and verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And then in, in Peter's writings, he said that we are to be hospitable without complaint. Well, it, it's easy perhaps to be hospitable, but then we complain about it. Well, I, I dread having them over, or I wish they... You know, that's, that's not hospitality. It is, it is openly welcoming others into your life. And again, I believe that if we create a home environment that is conducive to kingdom service through the extension of hospitality, then we're going to be raising our children to do the same. And that's a part of serving the Lord. And then finally, raising children who serve the Lord. Focus upon the benefits of raising children who will serve the Lord. Thinking about the benefits, I believe that love will permeate the home, given the relationship that exists between love and service. If I am giving myself to serving the Lord, then I'm doing that which is an expression of love. Because I'm acting in the best interest of other people. And so when my children see me reaching out to others, and when they see me involved in the lives of other people, then they're going to see love. And that love is going to become a part of who they are. My home will be characterized by love. And as you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you see the great description that Paul gives to love in this this chapter, is it not going to make our homes better? Love is patient. 
Love is kind and is not jealous. Does not brag and is not arrogant. And, and as you read through this, ask yourself the question, how often is it do I see a breakdown in my home when it comes to the matter of love? It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffer. Suffer. Wouldn't your home be so much better if it was just oozing with biblical love? It, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness. It rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It, it believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. It, it never fails. Love doesn't. I want to raise my children to serve the Lord. And I do that by serving the Lord myself. And serving the Lord myself involves getting in li- involved in the lives of other people. And again, that is an expression of love. And when they see that in me, they practice that themselves. And if, if, if I'm practicing it and they're practicing it, just think about the type of home environment that we're going to have. But then finally, and this is what I get so excited about, we can influence generations to come if we will raise children who serve the Lord. Most of you probably could not name your great-grandfather. I can't. I can't tell you who my great-grandfather was. can't tell you who my great-grandmother was. I know very little, in fact, or have very little remembrance of my grandparents. The point is, most of us are soon forgotten after we die. Generations to come will not know who you are. But, if you raise your children to be servants of the Lord, And if they touch the lives of other people, then through your influence, generations to to come will be influenced. And I get excited about that. What a difference my life can make because of who I am as a Christian, as a child of God. One of the best examples of this is Timothy. And and you, you knew where we were going when we started making this point. You remember what Paul wrote? about Timothy, about his upbringing, about the influence of his, his mother and his grandmother. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. And then we go over to chapter 3 and, and verse 14, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I wonder if Timothy's mother and Timothy's grandmother ever thought when they were teaching Timothy as a little boy the Scriptures, when they were raising him to be a servant of God, if they even imagined that 2,000 years ago there would be a group of people here in Franklin, Tennessee reading about their son, about their grandson. Think about how many generations have been influenced because of a grandmother 
and a mother who sought to raise a little boy to be a servant. Paul wrote of this young man in the second chapter of the book of Philippians, and this is what he wrote about him. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 19, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Verse 20 of Philippians chapter 2, For I I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Wouldn't it be awesome to raise children of whom that could be written? For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of His proven worth that He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. Paul wanted to send Timothy because Timothy was a worthwhile servant of the Lord. Timothy was someone that could be used by by Paul. Timothy was someone who could be used by God. And again, it all goes back to his upbringing. It all goes back to that time when his mother and his grandmother took it upon themselves to raise that little boy to be a servant of the Lord. Don't underestimate the importance of the time that you spend teaching your children the importance of being a servant. And we'll close with this passage in Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78 and verse 4 beginning. The psalmist wrote that we will not conceal them from their children But tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. For He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generations to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. It's exciting to me to think that there are children yet to be born, people yet to be born, who in generations to come might be influenced because of what I'm doing now to raise my children to serve the Lord. Are you doing that? Are you raising children who will serve the Lord? Are you saturating their minds with with the Word of God? Are you creating a home environment that is conducive to kingdom service? And are you focusing upon the benefits of of raising children, the benefits, seeing, seeing how the generations to come will be influenced because of your sacrifice and your commitment? I believe if your answer to those questions is yes, then you're raising your children to be servants of the Lord. And hallelujah, praise Jehovah that you are doing that. I hope this look at raising children who serve the Lord by Mike Waters has been beneficial to you and your family. Let's go over what we learned one more time. If we want to raise children who serve the Lord, going from home to heaven, we must first strive to saturate their minds with the Word of God. Second, we need to create a home environment conducive to kingdom service. Third, We've got to focus on the benefits of having children who serve the Lord. If you have any questions about what the Bible says about children or parenting, 
or you, maybe you just have some questions about the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps someone gave you this lesson on CD or tape. If that's so, please go to that website I just mentioned a moment ago. We have numerous lessons there that you can download in outline and audio format, plus the rest of this series, Built by the Lord, a focus on the family. You're free to download any of those lessons and use them in any way that you believe will benefit others to God's glory. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.